This is Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories. On this episode of Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories, the heavy tape recorder. The heavy reel-to-reel tape recorder from Akai. I purchased it on eBay years ago, played it for a while, enjoyed it, played some old tapes back, tried to make some new recordings, uh, grew out of it a little bit, just other distractions at the time, and now I am re-emerging with this great unit. Japanese uh, ruled the roost with uh, electronic equipment in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, post-war. May have come back from our military, uh, military uh, carryover from the two-way radio technology that was developed uh, during the World War II. Uh, the Japanese are excellent camera makers, and they're excellent with electronics. Uh, they best uh, any of the European competitors, including Germany. Um, although Germany gives them a run for their money, uh, in some ways might be better, um, lenses, uh, optics, optics, uh, tend to be better from Germany. I could be wrong about that. Uh, the only thing that Germ that Japan, uh, didn't do really right was, uh, acoustic suspension speakers in the seventies, especially the technology today, of course, different, everything being made in China whole different paradigm, whole different dynamic going on. I'm sipping my coffee in my studio. I'm just telling you the way it is. Giving you the lowdown. My bike is ready to be ridden this morning. We're going to take an early morning ride uh, through Darlington and then probably go into Seekonk, um, a nearby town. Not going to go do much off-riding, but we're going to stay on the road. My friend Gary and I. And uh, he's got a road bike, I've got a mountain bike. So the never the two tell Twain, but they do. They meet on the streets of Darlington, at least. Uh, we're going to try to, he's going to try to slow down for me. Um, I might find otherwise, I might find I'm the faster rider. I don't know yet. This is our inaugural run. Um, it's the first time I'm riding the bike with someone else uh, since I've got the bike, but I've only had the bike a day or two. Uh, I want to talk to talk more about the bike and what uh, the experience is on it. But I do want to get back to uh, the recording aspect of uh, sound recording. So the acoustic suspension speaker is not mastered by Japan. Uh, you were better off buying a, 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 an American-made speaker, um, especially from those from the Boston area. There's a certain school there, the New England School of of Sonic or Oral. Uh, uh, reproduction uh, through their amplifiers and excellent electronics, by the way, in New England. Got a little, got a little bit of the uh, ethos from Japan, probably. Uh, it makes sense. New England's a, a, a isolated, not isolated, but it's a. Uh, well, it is. It's surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean for the most part: Maine, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, and Vermont being the only landlocked sharing borders, uh, Connecticut and Vermont, and Western Mass share borders with New York, of course. 
But New England has a little bit of an isolation aspect to it. And, uh, of course, Japan is an isolated island. So maybe sound needs to get out. Maybe sound needs to be broadcast from these areas. I lost files again. Um, let's have some funeral music. No, let's skip the funeral music. Chopin aside. Um, had done a, a long chain uh, in my queue of, uh, of uh, sound files that were going to be assembled into segments, which were going to be assembled. Well, they were segments, but they were going to be assembled into a whole contingent a whole part, a whole uh, series, one one episode actually, and it was going to be about an hour long, one of my longest, and I was kind of proud of it. I chopped it up into little baby pieces that were again manageable, like I'm doing now, a uh, new format. I hope you like it. I hope it's more riveting. I know I don't get in depth as much as I probably used to. Um, if I do get in depth and if it's a good track, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with it and we'll have a five or six, seven minute segment, maybe an eight or nine minute segment. That's, that's not ruled out. I'm not eliminating that from, from my purview, as they would say, from my, uh, outlook on this show. But for the most part, it's going to be small manageable chunks that I can handle and my attention span can handle and my memory, my memory, first of all, can handle. In other words, I'll know what I'm talking about generally on each of these subjects. Just like I forgot right now what I was talking about. Starbucks is good. I'm having it. I said good morning to the cats, which I do every morning. I sometimes ask if they dreamed. They don't really answer, but I think they did dream. Cats dream. But I ask them all the time, how did you sleep? How did you sleep? How did you sleep? I don't know where they are right now. And, uh, you know, no answer again. But, you know, they know that I love her. Love her and I love him. Both my kitties. So it's the start of my day. It's a little ritualistic aspect of my day. And um, I'm going to talk about the tape recorder. Don't, don't worry about that. We're going to talk about tape recorders. If you're, if you're tuning in for this to be a, um, a study of, um, of audio, uh, if you're tuning into this being a study of mountain bikes, you're going to be satisfied because I'm going to talk about both. But right now it's mountain bikes and mountain bikes are a cool concept. Uh, they came to the forefront in the early 80s, I, I know because I was one of the first adopters I see all these crazed mountain bikers on the road and I look at the, the, the huge, huge industry that's grown, that's cropped up, actually literally cropped up over the last 30, 40 years. And I, um, I nod with affirmation at the, uh, the glory of the human spirit and how we can soar and how we can take something that's a good idea and make it better. And we can always be improving on design. After all, it comes down to design. Uh, most of these guys are talking about their bikes. They like to discuss the componentry, whether it's Shimano or Suntour, the two biggies in the industry. Suntour now more relegated to fork technology. Um, most of their models, um, not sure if it's made in Malaysia, wherever they're made, they're made well. 
they're specked out on a lot of bikes nationally, at least in the States, and I would imagine around the world. Shimano, of course, is the big 800-pound gorilla. It's the derailleur king. And if you want any derailleur that's, uh, you know, if it's an XT, which is their top-of-the-line derailleur setup, front and rear, uh, you want to match your derailleurs if you can. You want to match your companies. If you want to have one of those bikes that's all over the map, that's cool too. Those are cool. I've seen bikes like that. Bikes put together sort of in the back of a hillbilly uh, yard with that kind of ethos. It's awesome. So mountain biking is a great thing. And it's it's there for us to enjoy. We could just grab our bike. If we kept it in our hallway overnight, we wake up to it. We see it there. We might just see the back tire poking out of the doorway because um, you haphazardly put it back. You were just tired and spent from your ride. Or maybe not. Maybe you came back feeling almost the same way you left, which is me. I think I've got pretty good lung capacity. I am a smoker. I smoke cigarettes. Um, not going to brag about that, but I do. Um, and I think I manage it pretty well. Um, I don't know if I inhale the right way. Is there a right way to inhale, Mark? Yeah, he's holding up a, a blunt right now. He's holding up a blunt. That's the way to inhale. That's the way to inhale. No, seriously, folks. Um, mountain biking is is a joy for me. And uh, road riding and hybrid and all the different road surfaces that God offers us on a daily basis that's outstretched by the land. Uh, you know, I could do a poem about about mountain biking, the forlorn aspect of it, the camaraderie aspect of it, the adventure part of it, the uh, the solitude aspect, the um, the winding down uh, feeling that you get when you're coming down off a really high rush from uh, from from going up a hill. Or let's say you're coming down a hill, you're doing a downhill, and it's it's awesome. And you're with the traffic. You're you're with commerce. You're moving with time and commerce. You can go back about eight shows, and you're going to listen to my time and commerce show. You will listen to it now. Tune off this one and put on. No, just kidding. Stay on. Uh, like my brother Pierre commuting to work, he 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 prays in the car. He's religious in that sense. He's not a bombastic religious hit you over the head with his beliefs. No, he's not that. Uh, thankfully, I guess we could say that. Uh, maybe not thankfully, but yes, thankfully. Um, though people that are a little over religiosity with the religiosity factor can be overbearing and boorish at the same time. And, uh, you know, it can be a conversation uh, breaker. Uh, you want to see people move away is when you can go on and on about uh, all things religious. And, you know, most people are sincere about it. I'm going to just, I'll assume. But for the most part, there are those people that like to hear themselves talk. I like to hear myself talk on these, myself talk on these podcasts. And myself's talk as well. Um, I like to modulate and uh, have fun. I'm trying to go get a shoe the ands and the ahs, uh, the ah, uh, the pauses, the ums. Um, I'm taking a sip of coffee right now, though. Ah, that was good. That was really good. 
I have a star coaster. It's this coaster shaped like a star. And I use that to remind me to change the cat litter, which is due for a change. I have two kitties, so I have two kitty boxes. I know I've heard you should have three if you have two cats. One extra kitty box, uh, but I don't, I don't accommodate that. Uh, but the two trays that I have, I have a tray system, kind of European on me, my part. Uh, maybe I've got European style cats. No, they're American through and through. I just checked. I just checked with her. She saluted me with her paw. And Kane, Kane agrees. He's not going to do anything, but he agrees. They just came back from the kitty cat convention, the National Association of Kitty Cats convention in Kittyville, uh, Indiana. Great, great romp. That was last month, a couple of weeks ago. Timed in with the convention of the Democrats and the Republican convention. It was timed actually the week before the Democratic convention. Uh, they wanted to be out of their way of all the uh, turmoil that is associated with such events. Um, I know there was an interview with a Republican. Uh, it was one of the parties, and uh, they were interviewing outside the convention center in one of the cities, and... And the traffic was honking, the cars were honking horns, disrupting the interviews. Um, so I thought that was pretty rude. But um, my little segment now is titled uh, Stop and Shop. And it's a store that I go to to do my shopping. And on my list, and in, in the order of buying things, when I come in, I look at the bananas. I sometimes buy them. I'm going to have a banana later on today. Later on this morning, possibly, with my coffee, maybe. I like to drink coffee plain, don't you? I'd almost eschew the apple tart or the blueberry turnover. Uh, although, if you go to Seven Stars Bakery here in the Providence area, you know that it's a top-notch bakery. Um, haven't been there in a while, but they are coming into season very soon. Well, fall. It's going to be fall, pretty much fall, when the, uh, I believe, the apple turnovers come into season. Yeah, the apples, the apple crop, the fall apple crop. Um, I've got stories of us as family going out to apple picking country in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Um, and uh, we'd, pick, we'd pick the juiciest, uh, we'd pick the crispest of the crispy Macintosh variety uh, was grown. And is grown. Rhode Island's got its share of apples. Um, like the Wizard of Oz tree that threw his apples out, we would be picking them from him and getting him kind of a little perturbed. Don't you like that analogy? I like making those connections. I try to. So when I enter Stop and Shop with my mask on, of course, um, I proceed to the bananas. I pick them usually. Not, not usually, actually. Every so often. It's not a big draw. I, I also, uh, for the most part, ignore the produce department, although I should focus my diet more on those kind of roughage kind of aspects um, and the, 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 the nutrition that you get from produce, fresh produce especially. Uh, Stop and Shop has a, an average, average layout. 
the one here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, is is fairly good, fairly well stocked. Doesn't seem to be out of a lot of items. There aren't a lot of empty bins as you go throughout this uh, this store. But I do make it over to the sushi aisle, uh, the sushi display, uh, and pick out my sushi. Usually, the sushi sashimi combination. Uh, it's the one that they provide the soy sauce. How come they don't give you soy sauce when you purchase a packet, at least a packet in there, when you purchase the regular sushi? Is it because they think you're too cheap because you're only spending $6.49 instead of $12.49 for the sushi sashimi lunch? And it's great for lunch. Sushi is the best thing for lunch. Uh, it's got all of it going for it. Protein. It's got the carbs with the rice. And it's got the vegetable with the seaweed, which packs a wallop. The the uh, nuri, the nuri roll, uh, awesome. I love how sushi chefs work. I love to go into a sushi restaurant and just uh, kind of watch the guys work as they prepare your order so carefully and lovingly. And all that is frozen fish by law. It has to be frozen, uh, previously frozen. You know, we think it's just fresh off the boat, not necessarily. Um, it could have been fresh, but it was flash frozen and, uh, it's a safety concern. Um, I don't know how long it's been in place, probably since time of memoriam, since the first customer bit the first fish from the first sushi roll. So sashimi is my favorite. It's got the fish on the top it's typically, uh, you can spot it a mile away with the, uh, with the piece of salmon sliced beautifully and draping over, uh, gracefully over a, uh, a, uh, palm, a palm packed, uh, a small palm sized packed, uh, conglomerate of rice. It, uh, usually does not have the nuri. Um, so, uh, you're losing out on that aspect. But I don't, I don't know. It might, it might have it. It depends on the style of the sushi chef. I'm going to leave it up to them. So I grab my 1249 pack and I, I'm good with that. And that's my lunch for the day. I do about three shoppings a week. I use my stop and shop rewards card. Um, I, uh, I'm pretty faithful with that. Um, and, uh, I continue down the aisle and I'm in the goal of getting my Newman's own juice, but that's next. That's coming up very soon. I first grab, uh, if I need coffee, I grab the coffee. Uh, let this be a little guide for you. Maybe, maybe this is the way you want to shop. Maybe you want to go to the store, uh, once, maybe you want to go to the store twice a week instead of once a week. Um, maybe it's, it's worth, you know, maybe you'll meet some new people when you go in there. Um, I know there's, uh, the Hool brothers, which I see, I see them, they're older guys. Uh, they, one of them taught me in school. The other was in my dad's choir. They're old friends. And I see them from time to time in there. They're fellow Pawtucketers through and through and, uh, old school, old school, but good guys, decent people. Uh, good to have a conversation with in the aisle. Uh, so I grab my coffee, don't need my filters, so I'll pass those over. I also like the idea that I'm just getting a few items and I can go by the aisle knowing that I'm all set at home with, with everything else pretty much. There's not one eye odor of an item that I 
need at home that I'm not going to pick up at the store. I'm going to pick it up. If I need it, I will pick it up. If I need a bag of sugar, I'll grab that. But I typically don't because I don't really use sugar in my coffee. In fact, I don't use any sugar in my coffee. And I don't really use it on cereal. Um, so what's left? Not a hell of a lot. Uh, tea. I do put sugar in my tea. My black tea. I've got a pack of English, English blend black tea. Um, from Trader Joe's. Um, but, uh, I, I love coffee. Of course, I love coffee. I did a whole show on coffee. My experiences with coffee, uh, my brands that I like, uh, still like the shop and shop. It's still on the top of my list. Um, and I wanted to make a caveat to that. And that is, uh, you know, these coffees are all mid price coffees and they're going to be a good value. So it's the bang for the buck factor, the taste ratio, and they win out every time. But you can spend $18 a pound at Coffee Exchange here in Providence on Wickenden Street and be blown away by the boldness, the whininess, the complexity of that mug of coffee that you happen to have, whether you're sitting in, in, the, in the shop or in the place of purveyance or you're at home with it. Uh, either way, or if you're on the trail, you carry it. Uh, you're going to enjoy that cup. It's going to have a thickness to it, a viscosity. But for the money, I think, you know, for value, we're all into saving money. We're all into value. You're on your way to work. You're commuting. You know, you work hard for your money. And uh, sure, if you want to go out and buy that $20 a pound coffee, uh, you know, maybe it's on sale at fourteen ninety eight. That's not a bad price, actually. And remember, when you get coffee at a coffee shop, you ask for a pound, you get a pound. When you go to a Stop and Shop or a Trader Joe's or a Dave's Marketplace or a Shaw's or, or a Market Basket, you are getting uh, approximately 8 to 12 ounces of coffee uh, for what you think is, is uh, the, the, the perception is that you're getting a pound. You're not getting a pound. You're not. With few exceptions, you're not getting a pound. So when you buy a pound of coffee at fourteen ninety eight, it's really more like oh no eleven dollars a pound. Let's say ten ten ninety eight a pound. That puts it in range of the coffees that we were testing on our show uh, from a few back or several back. So if you want to go back about a month, uh, listen to that show, and uh, you know I think you'll get something out of it. So continuing on my trek in the store, let's continue walking through Stop It Shop, shall we? Stop and Shop offer affords you a relaxed shopping environment with, uh, with halfway decent prices. You know, you're going to get cheaper elsewhere. But you might save there where you won't save somewhere else. So I look for the yellow stickers when I'm pricing. Um, I have my Stop and Shop Rewards card. Uh, it gives me discounts. Anything that's marked yellow is the price that I would pay. And the, the hapless soul that doesn't have the card, well, too bad. Go out to the front desk and apply for one. It'll take you about all of, all of 3.3 seconds. So I continue down the main aisle now 
I'm uh, out of the coffee aisle, and I'm going to turn and get my Pop-Tarts, my Pop-Tarts, if I haven't picked up my oatmeal uh, in, the, in the cereal aisle before that. Oh, I'm sorry, the same aisle. So the Pop-Tarts, I get blueberry, I get, uh, I get brown sugar cinnamon, uh, I get my, um, they don't make an apple, but I get, uh, I get my uh, strawberry, and there's a raspberry, I like the sugar coatings on it, um, I do like the plain every so often. But most of the time, I um, I uh, substitute that while I go for the uh, the Kellogg's coating. You know, the famous Kellogg's sugar coating. It's loaded with sugar. Uh, it gives you energy. It's a great food, actually. I might I might eat a pop tart or two before I set out this morning with Gary on on the bikes. Uh, might just want to fuel up. Always a good idea. Always a good idea to fuel up with some coffee bean. Keep your water bottle. I don't have my water bottle yet. I'm going to purchase it. I just got the bike, remember? Remember now, people? Yeah, you know. I just got the mountain bike, so I still need to get... Listen to all I got to get. This is just crazy. This is just, this is just off the charts crazy. I've got to get... And this is not upgrades. This is what you need when you go mountain biking. Okay? Aside from lights, I'll, I'll put those aside for now. The, the front and rear running lights for visibility at nighttime. I'm not going to do, uh, I don't plan on doing a lot of nighttime riding unless I'm caught out at nighttime uh, with an early sunset because as the year progresses now, the days are getting shorter. No kidding, no kidding, guy. We know that. Okay, I, you are here, British lady. She's back. Uh, I want to keep this segment under five minutes if I can. Uh, so mountain bike, here's what you need. Here's what you need. You need a helmet. First of all, don't even think about taking your bike out without a helmet on. Um, you want to put that on your head and make sure it fits really well. And I'm getting one in the $80, $90 range, but you can spend upwards of $300 for a helmet. They get a little cooler looking. Um, I don't know if they afford you any more protection. I don't think they guarantee any more protection than you would get from a $59 one. In fact, because the $59 one is a little more uh, ungainly, uh, it might offer a little more protection, actually. But the designs are such that they're uh, engineered for impact. Uh, They're engineered to break. There's a a brake feature on them uh, that uh, they were one use if you get into a serious accident, but if it saves your life, it's worth it's worth the $200, okay? So there's number one, a helmet. And your lights. But the lights, I'm, I'm putting those off because I don't need those right now. Not on my morning ride with, with Gary, at least. And uh, next, you need apparel. You need, um, you need gloves. You need a good pair of gloves for the grips. Uh, I'm going to go grab my gloves downstairs today. You need uh, riding pants, which are padded with chamois padding, preferably for the best comfort and breathability factor. Uh, saddle sore is the number one enemy of many mountain bikers. It can, it can stop you in the tracks, okay? It can really, it can shorten your excursion just out of sheer agony. Um, and, you know, numb nuts, that's another thing. Numb nuts has got to be the worst sensation on the planet Earth. I took a 472-mile, uh, one-week excursion up into uh, Rocky Mountain National Park in, in uh, Colorado uh, several years ago, quite a while back, and uh, had enough padding on my seat 
I had enough padding on my clothes, rather, uh, my pants, but I still got the numb nuts and you had to dismount your bike. It's very uncomfortable. You need a good shirt, tight fitting, not floppy. I might want to put my camera on there and do some recording with Velcro. Uh, it's a good perspective from the bike. Uh, you see the road and you see the bike at the same time. You don't necessarily see the, uh, the photographer behind it. That's okay. And um, it's a cool sensation to watch those videos back. You can learn a lot, actually. learn a lot about technique. So I plan on doing that. I plan on having my, doing some of my podcasts from the field, from the literal trail, from the trail. I might call it from the trail. Uh, wow, that's really inventive, guy. Can't you come up with a better, a better one? Um, I can. I'll work on that, British, British lady. Whatever your name is. Um, but uh, the shirt's important. And, you know, you need a lock. You need a lock for your bike. If you're going to go into Providence and grab that coffee at the coffee exchange, you know, you're going to need to park your bike out front. You're going to need a chain lock, I think, because you're going to want to get all your wheels in there. You can take your front wheel off. That's a pain in the butt. That's a pain in the butt. You know, to put that wheel back on can be, you know, another four minutes of precious time that you could be riding. So you can leave the wheel on and grab the chain and encompass all the components, the frame, uh, the back wheel, the rear wheel, the front wheel, um, and then grab the nearest signpost or uh, tie up somewhere. And, uh, and and go in and grab your coffee. Uh, maybe sit outside on the patio or the, the deck. There's a deck at Coffee Exchange on Wickenden Street. I already mentioned that, that the location. And uh, it's a very serene kind of time. But aside from that, uh, you're going to need a lock, okay? You're going to need a, a seat pack, a small seat pack, a small teardrop-shaped bag, that goes under your, your seat to keep your extra $5 bill in for emergency money. Uh, keep maybe a first aid kit. Well, keep, keep uh, certainly uh, uh, maybe a small wrench if you might need it. Uh, whatever. Remember your, your weight ratio. Remember your weight considerations. You don't want to add too much in there. You want to keep your bike um, as light as possible. My bike clocks in at around 27 pounds, so it's pretty heavy. Uh, I don't spend a lot of money on my bike, but I think it gives me a little bit of stability. It, you know, you've got a little bit of more stability with a heavier bike, um, but uh, you sacrifice agility. So it's stability versus agility, and I think the stability uh, curve is winning out in my bike, at least with my GT Aggressor Pro. Uh, so far, very satisfied with the bike. It handles well. It's fairly nimble. It's fast. Uh, the tires are pretty good spec for the bike. Um, everything seems to match. Uh, they've got a triangular weld technology on their frame. It's pretty cool to look at. It's a good looking bike. Probably one of the best looking bikes out there for the money, especially. Uh, well, mountain bikes tend to get uglier and uglier as you spend more. You know, uh, they they're more functional. Uh, they're going to be uh, they're going to be pretty svelte, but they're going to be well, I shouldn't say they're ugly, but they tend to be in drab colors, right? I like bright colors, but I got my bike actually is a dark gray with blue, and I like it. I like my mountain bike. 
So bikes aside, bikes aside, um, my GT aggressor aside, I am continuing down the aisle. I haven't forgotten about stop and shop. So I grabbed my Pop-Tarts and I'm happy. I got my boxer too and it's cool. It's in my carriage. I'm watching, careful to hold the carriage on the side. I don't like the, the handlebar on the carriage or on the cart, the shopping cart. Uh, if you're from east of the Mississippi, you call it a carriage. Um, Rhode Islanders have their own dialects and terms for just about everything. But, and independently so, we're an independent lot. We're not going to take any guff and bullshit, <laughs> period. And so I don't touch the bar if I can help it. I touch the sides of the carriage. Um, I don't use the uh, lotion coming into the store. I suppose I should. Um, but I know I'm going to end up washing my hands when I get home anyway. Um, I'm trying to find out if I can bring my bike safely. And I think I can lock it up in a safe place at the store. But I'll be always worried about it. So maybe I'll just walk to the store like I've been doing. It's good It's good exercise. And uh, it's actually helped me with the mountain bike romping. Um, I can come into this sport with a little bit of preparation. At least I can say, oh, I don't know, 40, 50% preparation for it. Better than I used to be even in younger, younger years. So the aisle, uh, the main aisle, the main back aisle, continue on. Uh, I might pick up uh, a chicken... Um, uh, or I might skip that, get the prepared chicken strips. I might get, I might, I might have picked up a steak before I got to the Pop-Tarts, actually, when I think about it, um, for dinner. Uh, nice, thick, T-bone, kind of uh, porterhouse style. I like that style of steak. And um, so now I am going for the pet food aisle, which is before my juice. Still, I haven't gotten quite to the Newman's own. Uh, I'm going to pick up cat food, and I'm going to pick up their litter, and if I can, if they need it, if it's an emergency, if I've run out or running low. Uh, well, that makes sense, doesn't it, guy? Yeah, it does. Um, I also will pick up butter if I need it, and cheese in, in the case that's at the wall uh, of the back aisle. Then I'll proceed, um, I'll proceed, maybe get uh, paper goods if I need it but I usually skip that because I'm good for that for quite a while um, I picked those up I picked them up last at CVS um, they do have toilet paper again at the stores so it's good to see um, I um, not a big napkin person uh, I can use I'll use this I'll use a paper towel before I'll go through the trouble of buying a pack of napkins they're just overpriced so save money that way. Then, of course, if you continue back down that aisle, the famous back aisle of Stop and Shop, where most of the foods are, a good, good portion of them. Well, yes, most of the, all of the cold foods. Uh, I'm going to now grab, uh, after my cheese, I know that I'm going to go grab my Newman's Own Mango Tango. I'm going to grab that carton. It's a half gallon. I'll put that in the cart. 100% of, of proceeds go or profits go to charity. That's also good to know. It's 10% juice, so don't think you're getting 100% juice, but it doesn't use high fructose corn syrup. It uses sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Uh, then we proceed. We proceed. 
Uh, I don't get milk. I get half and half. So I'm going to use my mashed potatoes are going to be made with half and half, not milk. Um, I like the consistency of potatoes with milk, but I like them better and creamier with half and half. And of course, I use my half and half of my coffee. So that's going to get, that's a given. I'm going to grab my carton of eggs. Yep. I'm not going to get any of the fancy creamers, anything like that. I use the half and half only. I get my carton, my dozen of eggs from Rhode Island or uh, Land Lakes, depending on the price. Fairly affordable for organic eggs, by the way. So then I'll go grab my uh, eight or ten yogurts. I'll throw them in the cart, whatever's on sale, but I try to lean towards the better quality. Um, I like that Noosa brand. They were on sale a couple weeks ago. Picked up about a dozen of those, but uh, right now they're back to their regular price, so I'm going to keep an eye on those. The the ones that are already incorporated the fruit into the yogurt, I like those less, but I, I've just purchased, you know, I just got about six or eight of them. Ooh, big purchase. Six or eight of those at, at 10 for 10, so that's a good deal. You know, a buck a piece, that's not bad for a good serving of yogurt, which can hold you for a couple hours, really. So then I go grab my frozen Amy's, uh, Amy's uh, Kitchen's uh, frozen food company that makes uh, macaroni and cheese that's to die for. It cooks with a beautiful brown crust. 45 minutes, 375, can't go wrong. I get two of them. That's my supper for at least once, once a week. I think I've been averaging twice a week with that dinner, but it's so convenient. I like low low maintenance with just about everything, and that's that's one that's one I could call this the low maintenance shopping show. Uh, and that's about it. I go by the organic aisle is right after dairy in this store. The way this store is laid out, but I skip I skip a lot of that for their overpricedness. You don't get a lot for the money. You get about three chips in a bag that costs you three or four dollars. Uh, just not worth it. That's my advice to you. The chili, the chili rion, relen, or whatever you pronounce that, R-E-L-N-N-E-E-N-N-E uh, spelling. Uh, I can't pronounce that word, but I like that it's got the chili, um, and it's uh, it's got cheese, uh, it's got cilantro, and that's an Amy's product too. I, I, I'll pick that up with the macaroni and cheese I forgot to mention. I turn the corner. There's a pharmacy there. I don't don't use the pharmacy. I go to CVS. Um, that's just my, you know, I had I had used Stop and Shop, but we switched back to CVS because I like CVS better. I think they're a little bit more. Well, I'm not going to say they're more personable. Um, I maybe didn't give uh, the full shrift to Stop and Shop crew, but as I proceed, uh, there's the greeting card section. There's the pharmacy section, of course, which has all the aisles of home of uh, beauty care products. I'll grab a shampoo if I need it. It's a bar of, a bar of Yardley soap. I love Yardley. Um, but I'll go past there and grab a bag of chocolate that Russell Stover makes and uh, Whitman Sampler make a bag of chocolate that is a great deal. I don't know how they can afford to price it at, at a lower price, but uh, if you average out the price of chocolate per pound, you're gonna like your eyes are gonna bulge out and your jaw is gonna drop to the floor. The price of, cho- of chocolate is just amazing, and uh, coffee hasn't kept up with it, um, thankfully so, because I depend on coffee on a daily basis. I could go without the chocolate 
for a little while, although I'm going to come back to the chocolate eventually. So then there's my ice cream on the left and the ice cream frozen cases that are, take up two aisles in the store. Um, I could be an engineer for stop and shop stores, by the way, because I know the whole store layout. Uh, you know, your, your cereals are down lower. Your sugary cereals are down lower, kids, kids level, so they can grab them and throw them into the cart secretly without mom seeing them. And then she gets to the checkout and it's too late to have the kid go bring back the uh, Cocoa Pebbles or whatever you decided to buy, whatever crappy sugary cereal. Some of the worst food products are cereals on the market. How did we get to be such a cereal crazed culture? I don't know. Is that a worldwide thing? Um, I love Seinfeld, but he was a cereal nut. But I was a cereal nut at one time. I used to fill up a salad bowl with cereal. Uh you know, a larger size bowl and pour the milk in there and just chomp away uh, while reading the back of the cereal box. That was me. Yep, that was me. Um, but since then, I've really, uh, really forsaken cereal, in a sense. Uh, I've put it, put it on the back, back burner. Uh, so last item is frozen peas. I love peas. Give peas a chance, I always say. And that's my full circle of Stop and Shop. As I touch the buttons here at the controls, I feel like I'm the master of the universe. And I hope you enjoyed my romp through Stop and Shop store in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm going to take my mountain bike there after I figure out how to lock it and where to lock it. But uh, it's uh, right now I'm looking out the window and it is still dark, still relatively dark. It's early morning dawn. It's a pre-dawn situation here. The glint, haven't seen a glint of sunlight come up. Always love to see the sun, but I think it's going to be a cloudy morning rising. A cloudy morning rising here in Pawtucket. And... Uh, as soon as a, a hint of daylight appears, my neighbor, next door neighbor Gary, with his Raleigh competition bike from he's had for a while, he just bought some Schrader style, actually Presta style valves, uh, a couple bucks a piece to fix his tires. He's putting air in that for the season. And we're off to a late start this summer, but we're um, we're going to have a nice cooler. We're going to enjoy cooler weather riding than you folks were in the earlier part of this summer, especially July. July was a beast, a beast of a month. It's going to go down in the record books as one of the hottest months, but maybe not. Um, so the bike, he's going to come over like clockwork. He usually is pretty dependable when he says he's going to be somewhere. He is. And we're going to ride. We're going to ride. We're going to ride the, the terrain waves. So my magnetic tape Akai 4000D model um, sits and waits for me to switch it on. Um... Might uh, might want to play it back. I might want to play back some of the content for you on a future episode. I might get ramped up for that after my bike ride today. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the bike ride, and I'm looking forward to playing my tape recorder after. It's fun. It's uh, it's a tube ideal idea. It weighs about four tons. Um, it's cumbersome. You can lie it down flat. Looks cool. Looks cool standing up. Um, like to see the tape transport move and convey musical information. And if you're listening to this and you're bored, you can listen to any other one of my other podcasts that might uh, you might be more interested in. But uh, audio is a, is a great field. It's a great field to talk about. Um, a lot of my poems and my poetry, which I'm going to get back on track with on future episodes, um, to dedicate poetry, because uh, I feel it needs that big block. Um, I'm not going to segment off so much on those shows. I can tell you that right now. Uh, I'm going to, for the most part, stay on track, uh, get come back full circle, tie it up with a bow, you know, the whole nine yards uh, with poetry. You need to kind of do that. You know, they need to come back. You need to return to the resting place that you started off at, maybe. Maybe there's a sense of turmoil up front with your poetry. Um, but poetry is a tape transport. It's uh, watching the reels turn and the music come out of that is a miracle, a miracle of, of engineering and science. Um, again, the post-war Japanese had it over anybody. Um, they were quiet, quiet people, but they, uh, produced very good goods for export and, uh, the world was to, benefited from it. Prices were high. Prices are high. You, you don't get uh, anything Japanese these days without paying a premium. Um, if a lens is made in Japan, it's more expensive than a lens made in Singapore, for instance. Uh, although the Singapore lens... Just as good for the most part. I mean, unless you're an esoteric, uh, real, real stickler for quality optics, you're not going to really care which one. You're just going to go for the price for the bang for the buck. Um, the focus operandi. Uh, and my, my tape recorder is a, a stalwart. A stalwart component added to my complement of my amplifier, my uh, future turntable. I don't know why I don't have a turntable by now. Maybe I'm going to do an episode and when I get my turntable, play some records for you. Play some Doobie Brothers. Play some some Miles Davis, maybe. Uh, I don't know if I have that album, actually, when I think about it. Uh, but I'm going to play you some music. That's one thing I'm going to do, is play you some real analog glory. Um, Grateful Dead switched over to digital in the 80s, and we noticed the sound difference, people. We noticed it. Uh, maybe they didn't think you'd notice, but we noticed. No, of course they noticed. They were on the cutting edge of audio and uh, arena reproduction. and they, they were pioneers, of course, with the wall of sound. I did a show or two on those. Um, and I plan to do more talking about the wall of sound. And again, I need to discern that it's not the Phil Spector variety. Uh, it is the Grateful Dead variety. 
If you Google up the Google lady, she's going to tell you it's Phil Spector. But then if you type in Grateful Dead or Grateful or Dead, you're going to come up with, or Jerry or Bob or any of them, you're going to come up with the wall of sound. And when I say any of them, I mean that with respect. We have Keith. We have the triumvirate keyboardist through time. First with Pigpen, then Keith, then Brent uh, Midland. Keith Godchalk and Brent Midland, uh, who died of a tragic overdose of heroin back in 1990. Then we have Phil. Of course, I mentioned Phil, Jerry and Bob. Bob Weir, Phil Lesh, Jerry Garcia. Um, and then, of course, we have the drummers, Marty. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Mickey Hart <laughs> and Bill Kreutzmann. Those are the drummers for the band. They've always been there. Except for a brief absence of several years, seven or so, of uh, Mickey Hart after his father had left with the band's money. Jerry always wanted him back, and he did come back. And we have two drummers. We got the school of drum. People weigh in on whether they like the one single drummer. I'm a single drummer guy. I'm a single drummer guy. But, um, you know, the, it was all about power back in, in stage reproduction to the masses back then. And these audiences are not small. We're looking at probably the average audience for Grateful Dead Band was 30,000. So you're talking about a good amount of people. Um, they played small rooms, but they usually played big rooms. So sharing is easy to do. I'll tell you more about that in a pre-recorded program or a pre-recorded snippet of sound regarding you sharing my podcast with the outside world. But uh, future podcasts, don't miss the next podcast. We're going to be doing meditations again, meditations and poetry. It's going to be a long form segmented show. I'm going to segment it out, but not like the frequency that I do now. Um, just showing you how the sausage is made back here. We're going to keep the show very focused on the poem. Like a fresh batch of Toll House cookies from the oven, you'll want to share each and every episode of Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories. Hi, I'm host Guy Massey, and I'm bringing you poetry, pets, people, and places, all in a concise format. Now, segment it out to make it easier for you to listen to, and that's what it's all about, ease of listening. So Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories, hit the share button each and every time you listen to this podcast. And thank you. This is Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories.